You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 187th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you liked today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, we'll be shifting our conversation from DEIB to education with Dr. Don Parker, a returning guest on this podcast. Don is a transformational keynote speaker and professional development provider. He specializes in social and emotional learning, supporting teachers to build trusting relationships with students, restorative practices, trauma-informed practices, and improving the culture and climate of schools to enhance students' and teachers' feelings of belonging. Dr. Parker is a former principal and served at Posen School in Posen, Illinois, where he improved the school climate, staff collaboration, parent engagement, and student achievement. Before that, he was the principal of Lincoln Avenue School, a K-8 school in Dalton, Illinois, where he improved the culture, implemented a resilience program, managed the implementation of restorative justice, and increased attendance and student achievement. Dr. Parker has a strong belief in creating a school climate in which the entire staff strives for excellence to meet the academic and social-emotional needs of each student. He has presented throughout the United States at distinguished educational conferences, including ASCD, Every Student Succeeds Act Conference, the National Principals Conference, Illinois Principals Conference, Oklahoma's Secondary and Elementary Conference, the Raising Student Achievement Conference, Transforming School Culture Conference, and the Innovative Schools Summit, just to name a few. Dr. Parker is the author of the book, Building Bridges, Engaging Students at Risk Through the Power of Relationships, and Be the Driving Force, Leading Your School on the Road to Equity. Dr. Parker received a bachelor's degree in physical education and health from Wartburg College in Waverly, Iowa, a master's degree in educational administration from Governor State University a doctorate in educational leadership from Argosi University in Chicago, Illinois, and his Illinois superintendent certification from St. Francis University in Joliet, Illinois. Thank you so much for joining us today, Don. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Kim. I feel like the lucky one here. Let's just jump right in. And please tell our listeners a little about yourself and your experience in education. Okay. Well, I started off as a health and PE teacher in Chicago Public Schools. And when I first became a teacher, I just wanted so badly to be a PE teacher and a coach. And the reason for that is because my PE teachers and my coaches were the teachers who I found myself connecting more with. They were like mentors for me. I was just looking and observing one of my PE teachers who was also the school's basketball coach one day. Every day, he just looked like he had a love for what he was doing. And I was like, hey, coach, you're always happy. You're always in a great mood. I want to do what you do because you may not know this, but you supported me along the way. You've been a role model for me. And so I want to do the same thing for other young men that you've done for me. So how can I become a PE teacher? He told me exactly what I needed to do. So when I signed up to go to college and I registered, I knew exactly what I wanted my major to be. I knew I wanted to come back to the neighborhood where I grew up so I could give back and be a role model for others like my coach was for me. That's how I started on education. I started teaching health and PE 
And I really began developing a love and a passion for developing relationships with those students who had a lot of personal and emotional issues and things like that, because I dealt with a lot of the same traumas and issues that I saw my students dealing with. And so I wanted to help them through that. I just found myself connecting with those students. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the health curriculum has a lot to do with social and emotional learning. And we talk about teaching a whole child that talks directly to helping students, not only academically, but also giving them the social and emotional learning support that they need, teaching mutual respect and letting students know that they can improve their life through some of the choices that they make. Healthy life equal healthy choices. Healthy choices equal life. When I learned that, I learned a lot how to talk to students and do a lot of role play, question them like, hey, you know, because you made this choice, this is the outcome. How can things be different if you made a different choice? That's how I became a dean of students when I was working with my students. It wasn't always punitive. It was more so taking those mistakes they made and making teachable moments out of them, coaching them up to help them make better choices if they found themselves in similar situations. So I just have a love working with students. I know I've said this to you before, but you are one person who has been using choice theory without ever studying choice theory. (laughs) So it's quite impressive to me to see someone who's just natural at it. That's awesome. Thank you. So I know the last time you were on, you were in the midst of writing The Driving Force. And here we are less than, I think it's less than a year later. And your book is out. It's on Amazon. I checked today to make sure. Oh, I can see it. Our audience won't be able to see it. But those of you who know me know my favorite color is purple. And this book is purple Mm -hmm. with a very hot looking car on the front. And I'm wondering, Don, if you could share what inspired you to write that book and what your readers will be able to expect from reading it. All right. So what inspired me to write this book is because I have a love for school leadership. It's an interest of mine. And I also enjoy driving and enjoy cars. This book is a combination of my love for driving and my love for school leadership. Hence the title, Be the Driving Force. So this is a leadership book for school leaders on how they can be the driving force to promote equity in their school and to bring about more equitable situations for students. Every chapter has an analogy that has to do with a car or driving and school leadership. An example would be the first chapter. I know how important it is for leaders to have confidence in themselves as a leader in order to drive change, no matter how challenging the situation is. We have to have confidence that we can get the job done, that we can be the leaders that our schools need. So I tell a story about my mom when she got a new set of keys to her car because she lost her car keys. She was not confident that the key that she had worked in order to turn the ignition. She was upset that she couldn't get the key to work. So she asked my dad, is this the correct key? Did you give me the correct key? My dad reassured her that he gave her the correct key. He said, sometimes those new keys, the way they're cut, you might have to break them in a little bit. You might have to use a little bit more force. So you might have to use a little bit more finesse in getting the key to work. Now my mom having confidence that she had the correct key. She used force when she had to in order to get the key in the ignition. And she finagled it like she needed to in order to get the car to start because she was confident that she had the right key. When I talk to school leaders, I let them know about the importance of confidence. I let them know that you are the key to your school's success and you can unlock the potential in order to get your school moving in the right direction that it needs to go in order to create a more equitable client. And so in this chapter, I talk about the importance of confidence. I share research on what confidence means to leadership 
And at the end of the chapter, I wrap it up by coming back to my story. And I let leaders know, in order to be the leader for your school, you have to know that you are the key to the school's success. However, car technology, few cars use a traditional key in order to start the car. Right now, we have push to start technology in cars. So my question to you, school leader, is what push do you need to start in order to believe in yourself that you are the right leader to drive your school on the road to equity? I love that. I love the analogy. I think it's such a nice thread to carry through the book. And it's a great question. It's a great, what we in choice theory would call a self-evaluation question. Because if you can't look in the mirror and self-evaluate, you're not going to be the right key to lead anything. It's all about who am I and who do I want to be and what do I need to do to line up with the person that I really want to be. Getting the right right. key is important. That's so true. And a lot of people, which I was unaware of, suffer from imposter syndrome. I was not unique when I had imposter syndrome when I became a school leader. As I studied this more and found out how prevalent this was, other leaders, I said, I want to include this in my book to let people know that these feelings are normal and you can grow beyond these feelings. In my chapter, at the end of that chapter, at the end of every chapter, I give some pointers, some tips, some strategies that school leaders can do to improve whatever subject that the chapter was on. I love that. The other thing that I love is the positive expectancy that you provide. Hope is what everybody needs. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling like a fraud and an imposter and there's somebody saying, hey, I felt that way too, and I've worked through that. But then at every level you ascend, it comes back a little bit. It's like you have to remember, oh yeah, I know what to do with this. But it's still there because we're so afraid that if we let people know what we're really thinking, they're going to know that we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) You're exactly right. You're exactly right. But then have that, assure yourself and that confidence. There's a book that says, what got you here won't get you there. But what got you here are still some things that you can rely on to be effective in your position. You will learn and pick up the tools that you need to have along the way in order to continue to have success and experience success. Speaking of this fear that people have of moving from where they are to where they want to be, how did you decide to make that big leap from being a school principal to being a speaker? Well, Kim, I've always spoke on the side ever since I earned my doctorate degree back in 2006. I remember when I did my oral defense and I shared my research, the topic of my dissertation is what methods and strategies can deans of students use in order to help students be successful in school and in life? What the research told me was number one, building relationships. And number two was authoritative counseling. My committee said, okay, Dr. Parker, there's a litany of research. It's littered with building relationships and authoritative counseling. They tell you that's the what, but they don't tell you the how. So we want you to share more of the how to build relationships with students, how to do the authoritative counseling. Include that in your dissertation. And so I did. When I did my own defense, they told me, now that you're earning this doctorate degree, we charge you to share this with other educators so that they can also know how to build relationships and how to do authoritative counseling with those students. Back then, we called them at-risk students who are at risk of failing or dropping out of school so we can help those students be more successful in school and life, hence the title of the dissertation. I've been doing PD on this since 2006, and the more and more experience I get and the more and more research I do, I just continue to fill my toolbox. I find it to be exhilarating and I love it. So when I found that I had the opportunity to speak, it's like I've been doing it on the side for a long time. How can I turn this into my full-time job? Quick story, my family went on a family vacation and I'm gonna tell you the short version of this. 
My wife ordered the rental car in my name. And when I went to secure the rental car, I showed them my driver's license, my ID in order to get the rental car. They told me that my license was expired. It took them two hours to put the rental car in my wife's name. She was so upset. She said, Don, you're irresponsible. I've been telling you for months to get your driver's license renewed and you didn't do it yet. And now it cost us two hours of our vacation. So as soon as you get home, you have to get your driver's license renewed. I was like, all right, great. We get home. I'm trying to get all the paperwork ready to go to the DMV to get my driver's license renewed. But all the bills are in my wife's name. So I don't have any documentation with my name, my address. She said, well, print off your check stuff. I said, okay. So I printed off my check stub. I looked at my check stub and I looked at a speaking check that I had recently got from doing a speaking engagement. And the speaking engagement that I did for a three-hour workshop was a lot more than my check that I got for two weeks after working 40 hours. And Kim, Mm. at that time, I knew it was time to make the transition over to speaking. Yes, sir. (laughs) I hear that. That's funny. But it's not only the income, but it's the impact. Because whenever I did the CD, the people would talk to me afterwards during my presentations They were telling me how much they were learning and growing as a result of what I was sharing. So I look to have a great impact when I do PD. And it just so happens that the income is another benefit to speaking and doing professional development and being a keynote speaker. And I love it because I'm helping other people solve problems. And it just gives me a great intrinsic motivation and feeling. Absolutely. The payment is just icing. I know because I do the same work. It's the light bulb moments that you can see in other people's faces when they just connect or resonate with something that you say, and you know that it's going to help move them forward in whatever they're trying to do. And I've heard on LinkedIn, some of the people that have come from your workshops and the things that they say about it, it's just remarkable that you are sharing some awesome information that's helpful for people. So that's terrific. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's a blessing to be a blessing to others. I appreciate that as well. Yeah. I know social and emotional learning is something that really underscores everything that you do. So why do you think it's so important for teachers to understand the importance of that when they're being tasked with improving standardized test scores? It's like, oh, we got to get those grades up. But you can't ignore those social and emotional learning factors. What do you say to teachers when they're under pressure? The brain research has been out for a while now. And it talks about when students and people in general experience stress, your critical thinking goes down. With that being said, students have a lot of trauma and a lot of stress. If we really want them to learn at a high level and retain the information that we're teaching, we have to learn ways to reduce their stress. Stress. So we have to create calm classroom environments where students feel valued, where they feel safe, and we create safe environments for students to learn. There's a phrase that says, before you touch the brain, you have to first touch the heart. So what we have to do is build those relationships with students, let them know that they're in a safe environment, let them know that we believe in them, and let them know that we love, support, and care for them. And we are just as interested in their social emotional learning and in their psychological safety and their well-being as human beings. We're just as much interested in that as we are in their academic growth. That's why I'm such an advocate of social and emotional learning, because I know the importance of connecting with students. And when we do that, now we have relationships and we can leverage that relationship in order to get students to behave better and perform better in their academic tasks. Absolutely. It reminds me of that quote, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. 100%. And- Yeah, it's so important. If kids or anyone you work with, because I've worked in social service my whole life, I can tell you how many times I've heard kids in foster care or people in drug and alcohol rehab will say, well, you're just doing it for the money. 
you know that that's not true. But if they don't feel that you care about them, of course, that's what they think you're doing. It's really important. And I would add that sometimes caring about students or caring about your clients brings with it a layer of vicarious trauma that you experience as the helping professional in that child's life, because you may hear things or be aware of things and hear about this child and what they're going through that may really keep you awake at night. I would add that self-care for teachers is super important in that regard as well. 100%. Another analogy that I use when I do my workshops and even in my keynote speeches, I talk about how we were going through the pandemic, how a lot of people were experiencing trauma and just were not balanced mentally and physically. And they were experiencing a lot of emotions and had an increase in anxiety. Even research from the CDC spoke about the percentage of people who felt depressed, sad, anxiety, fearful, and worry were the most emotions that people felt going through the pandemic. I remember one Sunday morning where we found out that we couldn't go to church and everything was shut down. And so me and my family, we go to church regularly. I just read that we missed a Sunday. Now we find ourselves watching TV on church. I came down from the bedroom and I smelled bacon and eggs. My wife was in the kitchen cooking. And on the background, she was watching Joe Osteen. So I was like, okay, great. This could be the substitute for us not being able to go to church. Let's watch Joe Osteen. As I was watching Joe Osteen, I noticed at the beginning of every sermon, he cracked a corny joke. That's how he opens up his message with a corny joke. But right after that corny joke, he has a confirmation that he asks his entire congregation to repeat. His affirmations are positive. They speak life into people. And I noticed that he did this every Sunday. And I thought to myself, why does he do that? The reason he does it is because before he gives his sermon, he wants, just like before you plant a seed, you want to till the ground to make sure that the ground is ready for the seed. So he wants to make sure that his congregation's hearts are ready to receive the words that he's about to preach. It's the same thing with our students. We want to touch their heart before we touch the brain. We have to let students know, hey, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're very capable. I believe in you. You can learn this work. You may have to work hard, but all these positive affirmations that we're speaking to the student is tilling their heart so that they're ready to receive the education and whatever content that we're teaching them. This is really beneficial to students' academic growth and their growth mindset. Absolutely. I love that analogy. Mm -hmm. It helps calm them, reduces their anxiety, because now instead of being afraid that they can't manage the content or learn what you're teaching, now they're more confident and it reduces their anxiety and stress level when it comes to learning new things. Right. So their brain isn't bathed in cortisol and adrenaline, and they're able to think on a higher order level and they can learn because you can't learn when you're in fight or flight. Learning is not an option in that situation. Exactly right. I love how much you understand psychology because we're here, we're eye to eye when it comes to speaking about this topic. Yeah, absolutely. This is a new question that I ask all my guests since you were on last time. I've started to ask of all the choices you've made in your life, can you share one that's had a significant positive impact for you? Wow. We make so many choices every day, but one significant choice that has had such a positive impact in my life. Okay. Great question. When I made the choice and the decision to become a teacher, mm. when I went to college, I told you about the impact that my PE teachers and my coaches had on me. When I made that choice that I wanted to give back in the same manner, I didn't really see the projection of my life and my career where it would take me. Because honest to God, Kim, when I first became a teacher, I loved teaching and coaching so much. I really saw myself retiring, being a high school PE teacher and coach. 
my whole vision for myself at that time was work 35 years as a PE teacher and coach, and then retire, and then they'll name a gym after me. Uh-huh. That was my vision for my career. But it just so happened that sometimes the universe plans are greater for you than what your plans are for yourself. God has a plan for each and every one's life. Just making the decision to go with the flow, but also be intentional about what I want to accomplish and having a positive impact just led me to becoming a dean and then assistant principal and then principal and now national speaker. I'm just happy that I made that first choice because, Kim, there's a quote, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start in order to be great. We can make the choice to just start at whatever it is that we want to accomplish. And as we continue down that path, we will eventually become great. That's right. And I would say if you happen to make the wrong choice, that the universe will detour you onto the path that you could go down. And of course, you always have free will and you could say, no, thanks, universe. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you just kind of let life position you, I find that it opens the doors that need to be open and you end up with a fabulous, fabulous life. Sure, sure. And I've seen that you've done the same. And I just want to thank you for being a colleague and a friend and also a provider of hope and positivity through what you do, Hmm. uh, your company and your work and your speaking engagements and even your company that you started. I think it's great what you're doing because you are a source of inspiration for so many. Thank you, Don. That's very nice of you to say. We are coming to the end of our time together. So I just want to give you the opportunity if there's anything you'd like to add that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Yeah, sure. I know that is a time frame, so I won't be long, but I want to just encourage people to look into my books. My first one is Building Bridges, Engaging Students at Risk Through Power Relationship. My second one is Be the Driving Force, Leading Your School on the Road to Equity, which is really an equity roadmap and a how-to in order to create more equitable classrooms and equitable learning environments for students. They can also check out my website at drdonparker.com and then follow me on my social medias. My Facebook page is Dr. Don Parker, and my Twitter handle is Dr. Don Parker One. I just want to stay in touch with people and just continue to just talk about the importance of building relationships with students and creating equitable climates for students. Excellent, important goals. So thank you so much for your work. Thank you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us today, Don. I know you have a crazy busy schedule and appreciate you prioritizing some of your time to spend with me and our audience today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. Have a great rest of your day. You too. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when we'll be continuing the topic of education with Patricia Roby. I'm looking forward to it. Up with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.